This is Going Hokey with George Bresnahan. By hokey, I mean kind of innocent and on the straight and narrow, flexible and understanding of our tendencies to tendency to fall a bit sometimes. But, uh, you know, my bad habits are of infatuation and resentment and, and uh, getting away from that into positive, um, into gratitude. That's part of the hokey uh, goal that I have for myself. And, uh, you know, infatuation could, for some men, uh, end up in adultery. And going hokey would be um, faithfulness to your, your wife. And thinking about her. And it's, for me, it's not the real risk of, of adultery. It's, it's just this getting caught up in you know you're at the mall and and they're just gorgeous and you're not getting caught up in it but uh, you know thinking of your wife and appreciating her I mentioned one time the the North Korean gymnastics team about 30 or 40 years ago they came to Seoul South Korea to participate in some tournament and in their free time they sat in the uh, compound there the uh, dormitories of the athletes they sat around a table in a, in a lobby feverishly desperately reading from a, a little book written by their fearless leader who was probably the the son of the the uh, revolutionary there in North Korea. And, um, well, what were they afraid of for this short time that they were away from North Korea? Were they afraid of falling into the sinfulness of, of, of the uh, negative side of freedom? Huh? In Spanish, you have libertad and libertinaje. Libertinaje is where freedom goes awry. So what was waiting for them outside in, in the streets of Seoul? Uh, sex and alcohol and, and consumerism and bright lights, big city. My goodness. So they feverishly, desperately sat there at that table and read to each other from their fearless leaders, good book. So <laughs> I guess this, this podcast is, is our, uh, good book, huh? uh, our fearless leader, but our fearless leader is, is everyone who speaks the truth. And, you know, Jesus didn't, uh, put fear in people. He, he just uh, loved and, and pointed to love through
through through example and words. Yeah, love, forgiveness, understanding. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 avoiding avoiding falling in in what doesn't service, what doesn't work in 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 harmony with others. And it's uh, going forward in, in love. That's this going hokey. Tonight I wish to talk about Winston Churchill now that I'm approaching a, finishing a biography on him. 40 ways to look at Winston Churchill. And uh, she, the author said that History compared Churchill to Hitler, and so he came out looking pretty good. And history did not compare him to Gandhi, another contemporary. And um, But that's my intention. Even before I heard her mention it, it has been my intention to compare Churchill and Gandhi. And Gandhi comes out looking stronger. I, I like his morality and his uh, approach to the betterment of, of his people than Churchill's. But let's talk about Winston tonight. His parents did not give him the love that he needed as a child and deserved. His mother was an American daughter of a wealthy, very wealthy man. And she married a, a British uh, member of the nobility, the, uh, the Duke of Marlborough, Winston's father, who lived only 45 years because uh, I think he died of syphilis. Um, he was a politician. He was a military man, I think, and Winston adored him and tried to be like him in political life, in public life, adult life. His mother uh, had many affairs with other men after she married the Duke of Marlborough, Mr. Randolph Churchill, which apparently was normal for the, the, the pre-jet set. So, Winston had a, a deep thirst for life and appreciation of life. Uh, but he needed something, uh, needed love. Now, he proposed marriage to a few women. Um, by the way, his, his saddest years, he said, were his boarding school years, uh, where his parents didn't write to him often or visit him often. Um, but then it was time to get out there in the world, and, and his mother helped him. She used every connection she had in England, and she had powerful connections. And he wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted fame. But he gradually had a... He acquired a sense of, of the, his own destiny to to impact the history of England. Um, he, he was a 19th century man. He 
was a young adult in when England, the empire of England was at its strongest all over the world in Malaya and India and um, Australia, Canada, um, places in Africa, very strong. And he, he thought it was appropriate. He thought the, the white race to be superior. He thought England was superior with its marvelous traditions. And he wasn't quite as focused on, on culture as he was their tradition of war, warring um, with the world. But he, he loved the, the pomp and ceremony. And he was, he was born into it. He was born to the Duke of Marlborough. He was born in a castle. Never stood in line to catch a bus, the author said. But it, he did have compassion for the people who stood in line to catch the bus. Um, he did not particularly honor the opinions of others. He had his own opinions, and that's what he went with. So as a young man, he wanted to enter the arena, as, as Nixon would say, to be in the arena in England. So he, all through his life, he was a military man or a politician or a cabinet member. He, except for the 1930s, which are called his dark years, he as a young man went off to war, he actually shot, I don't know who counted them, six people in the face. And this was all for the greater glory of, of England. Uh, he believed in the British Empire. Um, this is what he wanted. This is what he was defending. And he watched it dissolve uh, before his eyes after World War II and felt uh, a real loss that he had failed, that everything he valued, everything he told, he was told as a young man, uh, you know, could never change, did change. So he was, after fame, uh, after acclaim, he wanted to get into the hearts of the, the English people, he sought after wars in his, in his 20s. He got into particular regiments that um, were illustrious and <coughs> his first battle actually was with swords and not, not uh, pistols or rifles. He got uh, captured as a prisoner of war by the Dutch in, uh, in South Africa. And he escaped and he went for help to the... He was incredibly lucky that out of 20 houses, 
Only one house was was English, and he knocked on on their door, and was thus helped. He made a news report of his escape from the the Boers, the uh, Afrikaners, the Dutch of of South Africa. He escaped them, and he leaked to the press his escape, and so England was waiting to see if he would make it home, and he did. And so, of course, they celebrated that, celebrated him. So he became a member of parliament, a member of the House of Commons, which is the lower house in parliament, I think at 21 years of age, which is what his father did. He switched parties twice, from liberal to conservative, depending on what was needed at the time to keep going. Uh, he was appointed uh, head of the Navy, which is Lord of the Admiralty. He was yeah, given high cabinet uh, responsibilities in his, in his 20s and, and his 40s and 50s and 60s. And, um, it was the 1930s when he, well, around 1930, let's see, how does this work? The Dardanelles over uh, near uh, Constantinople, Istanbul, he led a, a terrible loss in, in, in battle against the Turks. Thousands and thousands of English soldiers were killed. Uh, he blames it on lack of support from the ships and such. But uh, he was blamed for that loss because it was something that he pushed for. He wanted that battle to happen, and it failed miserably. Uh, so he had to resign from whatever post he was in in the military and spent the next 10 years not in office. Uh, he, he did not receive money as the son of a duke. He wrote um, to support his family. He married a woman and they loved each other. They treated each other well. They were together uh, 60 years or so. Incredible. So he wrote books and newspaper articles, war stories, accounts of different battles, and thus supported his, his family. They say he wasn't too responsive to his children, but uh, they all seemed to love each other. Uh, his sons were not too successful in life. Maybe it was hard to be Winston's sons. Uh, throughout the 30s, he, he had his eye on Hitler. He could he gauged him accurately that the man was not to be trusted, was a menace. And uh, so when 1940 came around, 
he was known as someone who had warned them about Hitler and as someone who was not in office as Hitler gained more and more more power and traction and and became more of a threat so all right thank you <laughs>